ministry is called the way of truth. And, you know, that's something that we all want to walk in is truth. We want to walk in God's ways until we find out that his ways and his truth, he has a higher standard than what we have. It's much harder to walk in his ways. Matter of fact, it's impossible to walk in his ways without his spirit. And, you know, we can try, but we're going to fail. And so we have to come to the place where we understand that when we look into God's word, when we look into his truth, that when we need to make the changes, we change. Okay? Um, and we're going to look at somebody who did just that. And so many times in our lives, we'll look at God's word and we'll see something and we know we're not doing it. And then we'll try and do it. But we don't have the power to do that. We have to rely on Jesus. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit in us to be able to do that. So let me just give you a little bit of a reminder and then we'll get into um, the person that we're going to see how he made the adjustments. Proverbs, Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so when as a nation, when we begin to go down the way of sin, then, you know, it's not good. And we're seeing that now. 1 Timothy 3.14-16 says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, thank you, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So the household of God is the church of the living God. And he says, a pillar and buttress of truth. In other words, it's a pillar. It's a foundation of truth. That's what the church is. I don't understand how God does all of that because it's made up of people who are messed up, but it's also made up of people who are trusting in him, who are relying on him more and more, and he makes the way. Verse 16 says, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, speaking of Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And so we've looked at these scriptures and then one more Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22. It says, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. And so when Jesus came, he came to save us, but he also came to show us the way of truth, the way God intended for our lives to be lived. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees of Jesus' time thought that they knew what it was, but they didn't have the heart of God. They had all the rules, they had all the regulations, but they didn't have the heart of God and the heart of God for people, the love for people, not the burdening down of people. They were so hard on the people that it was incredible. But Jesus came to bring life, true life. Not a life doing our own thing, living our own way, but living the life that God created us to live for and by Him. And in John 10.10, 10, most of us know this scripture, it says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Well, what's he coming to steal, kill and destroy? 
the life that God has for us. And Jesus said in this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or fullness or complete. And, and that simply means this, that outside of Jesus Christ, outside of walking with him, you will not find complete happiness. You will not find everything that you have need of. Jesus came to bring us back to the place where we are walking in God's ways, living in obedience to the word of God and the way God has for us, not just living according to our own thoughts, our own passion, our own pleasures, our own whims. You know, if we think we're this today, great. If we think we're that tomorrow, that's great too. No, God has a plan for our lives. He's got a purpose for our lives. And the best thing that we can do is live according to that and, and live in obedience to that. I just want to recall in Ephesians chapter 2, we, we looked at this, but in verse 1, Ephesians 2, 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. I mean, we need to understand that's how we all come to Jesus. Is realizing that. In which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So as we see disobedience rampant in the world today, that's because there's a spirit behind that. And that's because we have lost the way of truth. And we're out doing our own thing and we're doing our own. Uh, we're, we're living according to our own understandings, our own thought processes. And they're not good. They're not good. Verse three says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so Jesus came to redeem us from all of that. And he says in here, uh, in verse 2, he says that we once walked in this way. And then in verse 3, he said, in whom we once lived. In other words, he's not expecting us to do this anymore. He's given us a way out. And we need to make sure that we're walking in this. And so Jesus came to allow us to live according to the Holy Spirit who is in us if we're born again. And so we need to make the adjustments according to God's word. It's amazing to me. I come across people and you're in prayer about something and, and you're thinking God is leading you in a certain way. And then somebody comes along and says, yeah, but how do you feel about that? If God is leading me, what does it matter what my feelings are? If his word is telling me something, what does it matter what my feelings are? We need to make the adjustments to God's word. You know, I, I've shared this with you in the past, and I'll, I'll just give it to you as a reminder before we get into this one person we're going to see. Making the adjustments in his life. I remember reading in the scriptures how I needed to forgive. And the scripture says that as I forgive, that's how my heavenly father is going to forgive me. And I remember reading that and, and other scriptures. And it took me about a week. And, you know, I'm slow, but at least I get it. And, and so I went before the Lord and I said, God, I said, you know, I have a problem because if your word says that you forgive me as I forgive others, then you don't really forgive me. Because I haven't forgiven others and I had a list. 
And so I, I started walking in forgiveness. I knew who to start with. I needed to make an adjustment in my life. You know why I did that? Because I want God to forgive me. And if he says that he forgives us as we forgive others, then guess what? I want to forgive everybody that I need to because I want God to forgive me because I know I need his forgiveness. And so we have to make those adjustments to God's word. And you know what we try to do is we try and get God's word to fit into our lifestyle rather than us fit our lifestyle into God's word. And we see that happening today. And let me just remind you, I've read part of this. And as I was thinking about it, and I went back and I looked at it, there's more to this. So Isaiah 5, verses 20 to 23 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And, you know, we see that. We see that happening today. There's tolerance in, in the world for everything but Christianity. For everything but what is good. If you stand for what is good, you can, be, you can count on the fact that you're going to be bombarded with the hatred from the world. So we say that we want to walk in, in God's truth and in His ways, but I'm telling you, He's got a higher standard. Verse 21 of Isaiah 5 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. <laughs> Don't we see that today? Don't we see the world? Oh, well, they have a new way of doing things. They have a new, new genders for us. Because they're wise in their own eyes. Really? New genders? How come God didn't think of that? And shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men for in mixing strong drink who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. Mm. Jesus came so that we wouldn't have to live like what Isaiah was speaking of. And yet we see that happening in our society in an increasing measure every day. We see evil being called good. And good being called evil. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 3. I think I told you that. We're finally there. But again I just want to remind you that. We're the ones that need to be adjusting to God's word. Coming into agreement. In alignment with what God's word says. Not adjusting God's word to fit into our lifestyle. So in John chapter 3. We find this Pharisee, and his name is Nicodemus. And there's a transformation that goes on in his life. So we're going to look at it. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he's a Pharisee, so he's up high in the religious order. Okay? He's not a newbie. He, he's established. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. And said to him. Rabbi. We know that you are a teacher come from God. 
For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Now, to me, this is amazing right from the beginning. But I want you to understand something. It says that he came to him at night. He came to him at night under secrecy because he didn't want to be found out that he was going to talk to Jesus because this wouldn't be a good thing in the eyes of the rest of the Pharisees and the rulers. And so he's coming at night, but then he's stating the observation that he sees, and he's like, you have to be from God because what you're doing, only God can do. So there's a there's tension going on. There's a wrestling match going on in him now. Verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And so let's just pause here for a moment. Jesus says that his words are life. So he's speaking life to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is looking at his words through his own understanding, through his natural understanding. And so when Jesus says you have to be born again, Nicodemus is trying to figure out how does that happen in the natural? But Jesus isn't speaking in the natural. He's speaking spiritually. Let's continue. Verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Because he's still trying to figure it out in the natural. He's still trying to understand this in the natural. In his own understanding. But he also knows that this Jesus is doing things that nobody else has ever done. And only God could do that. So he wants to figure out what he needs to do. Verse 10. Jesus answered him. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you. We speak of what we know. And bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things. And you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You see, there is no eternal life apart from believing in Jesus.
And it is our responsibility to come into agreement with God's word. The way of his word, the way of truth. We need to adjust our lives to the word of God, not adjust his word to our lifestyle. Paul speaks of this, if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul speaks of this, he addresses this because the natural man sees things one way, but the spiritual man sees things another way. And God has called us to be able to see both, not just one or the other, but we need to see both. But we need to trust in the spiritual over what we see in the natural at times. And this is the war. This is the collision that takes place. God's truth at war with man's truth. Spirit, God's spirit versus flesh versus what is going on in the world. One of the ways to know that you are walking according to the word of God is to understand that the world is not going to embrace us and they will think that we are crazy. They will think that we are judgmental and that we have lost our minds. And if anybody has said that to you lately, be of good courage. You're walking with God. Here's what Paul said about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. And so what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to um, authenticate his discipleship, his apostleship, his walking with Jesus. But he says, first of all, he says, we're known to God. So that kind of settles it. He says, we hope that it's known to you. But even if you don't recognize, we know that God does. All right. Verse 12, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us. Thank you. So that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. And again, now he's doing this because their judgment is based on what they understand in the natural. But Paul's trying to get him to see the spiritual side of it, the heart of the matter. Verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he, speaking of Jesus, died for all, that those who live, and here's what we have to understand, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. You see, when we give our life to Jesus, it's not about just going to heaven. That's a benefit of it. But the rest of it is, is until we get to heaven, we live our life for him. We live the life that he has planned and purposed and created us for. And we don't do it with our own understanding. We do it with the understanding that his spirit brings us and his word directs us in. And so... There has to be a lifestyle change in our lives when we surrender our lives to God. If there isn't, then you're going to just be a miserable Christian 
waiting to die so you can go to heaven. And life is miserable enough. Why add to it? And so if Christ died for us, that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus came to offer us a new way of living. And that new way means that we don't have to live according to our own passions, our own uh, likes, because they're fleeting. They're, they're going to lead us down the wrong path. But when we give our lives to Christ and we start walking according to God's word and we live with the help of the Holy Spirit, leading and directing and strengthening and doing all that he does for us. When we do that, then we begin to live the life that God intended for us to live. And we don't even just live under God, but we live for God. I mean, can you imagine you have the ability to wake up if you're born again, you have the ability to wake up every morning and live for God. Live for the creator of the universe. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, not according to the natural mind. Not according to our natural understanding. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In other words, when you look at the scripture and you think about it, they looked at Jesus and the cross and they looked at it only in the natural and they thought they had him. They thought they understood what was going on, but they didn't have a clue. Because it was God who was at work. And when you think of the disciples before Pentecost and, and before the resurrection, when they were walking around after he died, after the cross, and after he was put in a rented tomb, the disciples are in despair. They're, they're without hope because they're seeing things in the natural. And they're thinking, our hope is gone. Our hope is dead. But they didn't understand that God was doing something greater. Not, what, not only was he providing salvation for us, but he was providing that new way for us to live. To be able to have the strength to live in a new way. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is. And here's your ministry. If you think to yourself. Well I don't have a ministry. Here it is. You have a ministry. Verse 19. That is. In Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses. Against them. And entrusting us, to us. The message of reconciliation. And so God offers us a, a lifestyle change. It doesn't matter what addiction we have. doesn't matter what we struggle with. doesn't matter what stronghold we're dealing with. It doesn't matter. God has the ability to pull us out and lead us in a new way 
of living. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're going to go back to Nicodemus. Because something has happened in Nicodemus. And I want us to see this because I want us to see that there is change that has taken place in him after he spoke with Jesus. Nicodemus came into agreement with God's word, with God's truth, with the way of truth, and he changed. He didn't change God's word. He changed. He had an encounter with God's word. He, he saw God's word in flesh, in action. He saw the miracles that Jesus was doing. And he's like, look, you have to be of God. And after that conversation with Jesus in John chapter 3, and I don't know what the time frame is here, but from John chapter 3 to John chapter 17, we see that there is a change that has taken place in the life of Nicodemus. And I pray that also takes place in us. We find ourselves in John chapter 7, verse 45. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? And if you go back and look at this, put it in context of looking at this. They are so confused with what Jesus is doing. And they, the religious leaders think that he's crazy, think that he has lost his mind, but he's doing all of these great things. And they're upset because he's doing these great things, setting people free, teaching them a way that they've never heard before. So they can't figure this out. And so their only thought is, the Pharisees answered them, verse 47, have you also been deceived? Verse 48, have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. And so he's trying to establish, they're trying to establish within the church leadership that you guys are wrong and you're going to mess these people up. And so now verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before. Speaking of Jesus, who had gone to him before, who was one of them, said to them. Verse 51. Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And so again, well, you can turn with me to John chapter 19. But they're arguing about Jesus because of his miracles. And Nicodemus is able to step in and say something about this. Nicodemus steps in again after the crucifixion of Jesus. So he's, he's a follower of Jesus, but he has to do it secretly because he's also a Pharisee. 
But in John chapter 19, verse 38, it says this. After these things, after the crucifixion, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and found it in and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was closed at hand, they laid Jesus. Was close at hand, not close, close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Nicodemus had a lifestyle change. He had a lifestyle change with his encounter with Jesus. He saw in the natural what God was doing. And then when he spoke to him, he understood. Life isn't about just what we see and just what we understand with our natural mind. There's a spiritual side to life. Paul told us about we see this in Nicodemus, that there's a change in his walking. And I want to tell you, if you want to walk with God, then you're going to have to change the way you're living. It's that simple. He's going to ask of us things that are foreign to the world and its ways. He's going to ask us to do things that are uncomfortable to us in the natural, to our flesh. You know, I, I've, I think I've shared this, but let me share it again. In teaching this year, it was, I knew God was at work in me because I'm a planner. I like to know in advance what's going to happen. And I would show up at the school every morning and I did a few long terms, but other than doing the long terms, I would show up at the school and they would tell me who I was going to be that day. So every day was a new adventure for me. And to have that new adventure to somebody with my natural ways my planning, my wanting to know, to show up every morning and be told who I was, and then I had to go do it. And I had a lady, another teacher, who I knew even from high school years ago. One day she stopped me and she said, Mr. Ducha, I don't know how you do this. She says, I'm a planner. And she says, I like to have everything ready and have everything organized. And I like to know in my mind what I'm doing. And she says, I don't know how you do it. You just come in here and you show up and they tell you who you are and then you go and do it. 
And I looked at her as, and I've known her for years. And I just looked at her and I said, all I can tell you is it's God. And I said, but let me tell you something. I'm a planner just like you. I like the way you run your classes. I, I can handle that. I like to know things in advance. But I said, God is doing something in me and he's working something in me. And I'm telling you, I'm trusting him in a different way. That's what God wants to do in our lives. When we give our life to Jesus, he wants us to trust him in ways that we've never trusted him before. And when they don't make sense, don't panic. When they go against what you're comfortable with, don't panic. Don't give up. Don't start fretting. Don't start trying to change the system. Let God work in you. Let him have your way in you. Stand with me if you will. I love the way Nicodemus processed this and how he came to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He made the adjustments in his lifestyle to God's word. He stopped trying to change God's word to fit our lifestyle. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the love that you have for us. And Father, I thank you for the example of Nicodemus. That he understood things in the natural one way, but you saw him a different, you spoke to him differently. And Father, your word declares that your words, the words of Jesus that he speaks, are truth and they are life. And Father, I thank you that as Nicodemus found that truth and found that life, that we can as well. And Father, I pray that as your people, that we would commit ourselves to coming into agreement with your word, to adjusting our lifestyles, to come in line with your truth, your ways, that you would be glorified in us and that we would be able to live our lives, not just through you, but for you. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. All right, go be blessed.